0: Good morning. I'm usually not nervous, but I'm nervous today. So. Uh, I have a thank you note to read, first of all. To my friends in Christ at Kingsway, thanks to all for your thoughts and prayers. It's so wonderful to have people who are so kind and thoughtful. You all mean so much to me, and you're my second family. Love in Christ, Mary Jane Bart. Let's pray, well, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you that things are as well as they are with each of us. But you've blessed us with health to be here today, Lord. Lord I want to pray for clarity of thought today, and uh, wherever you go with this message, will be okay. I pray, Father, for my friends who have been hurting and they're sick, and uh, for those who'd love to be here today, Lord, but they can't be here today. Uh, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to stand for you. I pray, Lord, that you'll uh, use my feeble efforts that you might speak to each of us here today. Father, be with us, keep us in your care, in Jesus' name. Amen. My scripture today comes out of Thessalonians. If you'll turn there with me, it's chapter 5, starting in verse 11. Thessalonians 5:11. I've titled this message, Encouragement. God puts things together. George is encouraging folks who are working with their kids today here. God just sort of blends all this together. In verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with content. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you as faithful, and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul had written this letter of encouragement to the church at Thessalonica. He had been there and they'd started this church and then he had even sent Timothy back to encourage him. But he uh, he wrote this letter to him and you heard in his words there that he wanted everybody to hear that. He wanted that letter to be read to everybody. And he wanted it to be a source of encouragement. We all need encouragement, don't we? Every day. Every day we need encouragement. I think of uh, Tracy as he runs those marathons. And uh, I've only run when I've had to get away from something lately. (laughs) Uh, I used to have a friend, that Bill Prince, he ran in our neighborhood, and I told him one day, when you go by my house and you look like you're having fun, I'm going to catch you before you get home. I never did. But when I was in high school, I used to run some in gym, and we ran around those hills up there at battle. And, uh, man, it was tough some days getting back. Uh, if you're in a race and you're close to the end and... Your legs are hurting, and your throat's dry, and your whole body just aches over, and you just go to the mental part of, can I take another step? Can I go another half way? Can I count steps? And I can relate to some of that when I'm climbing these mountains deer hunting. And I look up, and I think I'm almost to the top, and then I get to that point, and I look up, and I think I'm almost to the top, and I'm not. But when you're running those races, uh, isn't it wonderful when you're just about ready to give up and somebody comes along and gives you a little encouragement? That's when your friends and your fans mean the most to you, and they're the most valuable. Their encouragement helps you get through the day. Their encouragement helps get through whatever you're fighting at that time. And through Paul's scripture here, we as Christians are called to encourage one another. You never know when your word of encouragement, just at the right time, can make a difference in someone's life. The difference between quitting and finishing well. Or maybe you just collapse along the way. Look around your everyday life. The places you go. The people you see. Who needs encouragement? Tomorrow, you're going to start that new week. Somebody tomorrow you meet somewhere is going to need a word of encouragement. Or they might need a kind action from you. Somewhere, someplace, tomorrow, God's preparing the way for you and me to encourage someone. You know, we need to be sensitive to uh, people around us. How many of you got one of these? How many of you got one with you today? Let me see him. I hope none of them ring today. Now my phone has a little battery in it. How many of has a battery in yours? But if I show you that, what does it look like? It's just a cell phone. You don't know if my battery is charged. You don't know if my spiritual battery is charged. Is your spiritual battery charged? People look the same on the outside a lot of times, but you don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know if they need you tomorrow. That word of encouragement, that word of support, the offer to help them with a chore. There'll be somebody in your path tomorrow. In verse twelve, Paul talks about those who work hard and those who are over in the Lord. If you look around Kingsway, you'll notice that there was a lot of hard work went on here yesterday. There's people out here mulching the flower beds, and but there's a lot of hard work going on here that some of us take for granted from sometimes. As Patsy and Tivis and their daughter clean this church and they make it presentable for us every week. Mr. Gregg and some of these fellows do things here that you never ever see, but it happens. We're comfortable today. You know, somebody stays here and turns out the lights. Did y'all know that? Somebody locks all the doors. Somebody opens all those doors. There's work goes on around here. We need to tell them. Tell them that we appreciate it. Tell them that we thank them. Our pastor stands here before you every week. And let me tell you, till you stand up here, you don't know what it's like. Mr. Jeff gives of his time week after week after week. And, and I know that. Most of this stuff, you'll hear that Penny does. (laughs) But there's people around us every day here in our congregation that work hard. And they deserve our thanks and our appreciation. And you need to tell them. And if I haven't said that, you need to tell them. You need to thank them. Because if you don't, how will they know? In verse 14. There it says, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid. You know, sometimes people don't do anything because they haven't been asked. Can you imagine that? Walker's not in here today, but uh, he likes to be asked to do things. He likes to be asked to do things. We all like to be asked. But sometimes folks just don't do anything because they haven't been asked. They haven't been given the opportunity. But then, on the other hand, we have folks that are just lazy. We do. Can you believe that? We really do. Sometimes we just need to build a bridge with that person to find out if they are lazy or timid. Maybe we need to encourage them either way. We need to encourage them. We have to build that bridge, though, where we can find out maybe they're hurting. Maybe they've been hurt in the past. Maybe they need the bomb of Gilead rubbed on their spiritual soul. And we can do that. We can facilitate that. You can't always fix something If you don't know what the problem is, you need to build a bridge with people around you so you can find out where they are and where they're at in their spiritual life. and If there's something you can do to help them. And then in verse 16, it says, be joyful always. Pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's quite a chore, isn't it? Joyful always. I'm striving there, but I'm not there yet. I can't do it every day. I can't do it every time. And sometimes this just goes against what we're feeling at the moment. It's hard to feel joyful sometimes when things are bad and they're not going good. But we can be in an attitude of prayer about things. and We could say this is God's will in my life. How many of you have ever gone through a valley? But God grew you. He grew you while you were going through that valley. How many of you have ever been through a hard time? And whatever it is that's affecting your life at the moment, God's growing you through that. How many of you have ever asked God to question, Lord... What are you trying to teach me through this? I don't like it here. I don't want to be here. But, Lord, I want to know what you're trying to teach me through this. Through this, whatever it is you're putting me through. But we find it much easier to be joyful when we know Him. Do you know Him today? We can't physically be in an attitude of prayer on our knees all the time, but we can be thinking. We drive down the road with our eyes open, open, in an attitude of prayer sometimes. I drive a lot each week. I probably drove 1,200 miles last week almost, right here in the Tri-City area. But there's a lot of times in the car when God will give me moments just to think. Not as many now that I have a cell phone, but but some he'll give me that time to think about things and and plan things and it's sort of like turning these light bulbs on here in your life. If you're walking close with God, he's gonna turn that light bulb on in your mind once in a while. And he's going to give you a new idea. He's going to nudge you with the Holy Spirit. to so something you need to do. Or some person you need to see. Or some event you need to make happen. He will do that. But he will only do it if you know him. And once again I ask you, do you know him? And then in verse 19 it talks about don't put out the Spirit's fire. How many of you have ever felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to do something and you didn't do it? How many of you ever stepped through an invitation and there was some reason you needed to come here and you needed to get on your knees and you needed to give something to God and you didn't do it. And you went out those doors and you went home and you didn't do it. I may have had a neighbor that had a need. and well, I think I'll wreck his leaves. I think I'll mow his yard, And he didn't do it. God hammered this home to me, and I've told this story several times, but he hammered this home to me a few years ago, and I met a small child selling peanut brittle in an office building I was going into. And I told that young man, I said, if you'll wait till I come out, I'll get some. I was in a hurry. I went in that building, God said plans come out, and that kid was gone. And I missed it. He didn't miss it, but I missed it. I missed the opportunity. Sometimes we just need to touch. Somebody around us needs a hug. Sometimes we need to speak to them. Sometimes we just need to listen. Ask Mark. He's got this thing right here on his head that says, Mark, please listen to me. You need to listen sometimes. Sometimes we need to forgive. Tough isn't it? We think we're right. We got all these hundred reasons why we're right. Sometimes we just need to forgive. Woo, big one here. Sometimes we need to apologize. We need to go and say, I didn't do that very well and I'm sorry. I didn't do it at all, I'm sorry. I did it wrong, I'm sorry. We have those needs in our lives. Sometimes it's a matter of just writing a note or a card. You know, I was telling you about the light bulbs going on. I had one that went on yesterday. The men in this church is, some of us are going to get together and we're going to build some new crates this week to send Terry and Samantha and some of the shoe boxes and whatever we're going to believe. And I had this idea, God just right out of the air, He gave me this idea and I said, wouldn't it be great if we brought that plywood here and we all wrote messages on it so when they opened that box and they took all the stuff out inside those walls of those boxes, there'd be a message to them just a simple thing but it might be encouragement sometimes you just need to respond and not put out the spirit's fire one person coming here to give God something might lead another person who don't know him to come here and give God their soul my mama had this And when her eyes started failing, she used to use it to read with. Do you know, when I was a kid, I had one of those little things you get off a Cracker Jack box. It was about that big. How many of you know, ever saw one of those? Yeah. And you could take that thing, and you could take a piece of paper, and you could go out where the sun was shining, and you could get that just right on that piece of paper and hold it there a few minutes. And you'd set that paper on fire. You can do the same thing with a pair of glasses sometimes, some of them. I always wondered. I know we have survivor friends that watch that show in here. I always wondered why those crazy people didn't do that to start a fire with. Because a lot of them had glasses on. And they're always in those sunshine communities. And I was going, hmm. I have to tell you this, though. I watched that show the other night, caught the tail end of it, and they were deciding which chicken to kill, and they were talking about the eggs. They sure weren't country people because they killed the hen instead of the rooster. <laughs> I said, my goodness, those folks are not from the country here. It was crazy. I'll tell you that story to tell you this. How long has it been since you set something on fire with your life? How long since you started firing somebody's life? Some of us are hunters in here. You can take a slug that fits a 12 gauge shotgun. And from here to that back fence back there, I can kill an eight-point buck with it. But if I use a bird shot, which is a bunch of little bitty pellets, and shoot at the same distance, that deer will just run off and laugh at me. But that slug's all concentrated in one place. It's all concentrated in one place. Sometimes we get so busy with our lives, trying to do too many things, That we're not really too successful in any of them. And sometimes God just wants us to concentrate on one or two or maybe three things. He wants to give our full attention to one person in your life. And I've seen some of you folks in here love people to Jesus. In my time of being here at Kingsway, I've seen you wrap your arms around folks that. I couldn't do but I've watched you loving to Jesus and then I've watched them serving Mark and I had the privilege one time I going into the jail ministry with Christy Deal and she spoke to those women down at the jail on that Sunday morning and I've sat through countless sermons and I've been to seminars and I've been all through four years of college. And I've been through training sessions in the Air Force and at work. And I've never been anywhere when God spoke to people like you did that morning. And she ran run that wheelchair through that jail door. And her wheels cleared on each side about that far. And I said, how'd you do that? She said, I've been this thing all my life. I've been driving it. But when she spoke to those women that morning at the jail... I knew I was witnessing something really grand. I knew God was giving me a little glimpse of something there that was really great. But she was concentrating her efforts on those women because somebody here at Kingsway had concentrated on her. How much encouragement do you have to give? Do you have a teacup full? Do you have a gallon full? Do you have a half a bushel tub full? How much do you have to give? I urge it. whatever it is, to give it to someone. One of the greatest men I ever knew was my dad. In 1975, in January, my father died. 35 years ago, and he was one of the greatest men, and he was a great encourager to me. Sometimes I can close my eyes and and I can hear his laughter. And I hear his voice. And then I picture in my mind that he's driving that old 1961 gray Chevrolet station wagon, straight shift on the column. And he's coming down our driveway on the airport road after a hard day's work at the Carbo cleaning plant where they clean coal over there. He's got coal dust all over him. But he encouraged me. He always wanted life to be better for me than it was for him. He encouraged me, but he had, he set some parameters, young folks, with that encouragement. Brendan and I have been married 41 years. We dated several years before that. But my father said, Son, I'll pay for college as long as you don't get married. He set a parameter for me. And he was true to his word. And he encouraged me. So Brent and I waited a few months after I graduated, and then we got married. But he loved me, and he showed me that love because he set those parameters for me in life. And I could spend the rest of this day telling you stories about my dad and how he knew about raising kids and how he loved me and how he encouraged me. You can't fire me so I might not be done here <laughs> uh. I tell stories because I want you to remember your story. You all have stories. And you all have the ability to tell them. And through those stories, you can encourage other folks around you. So I look around this congregation. I see people who have encouraged me. I see people, Sunday school teachers here week after week after week preparing not only the message they give on Sunday morning but through their lives they live in this community and they encourage me through that I'm going to ask you to do something right now if you've ever had any kind of surgery since you've been a member at Kingsway And he's brought you back to this house today. Would you please stand? Look about, folks. Thank you. That doesn't encourage you. I can't reach you with any words today. And John Powell was an author and he he wrote a book in nineteen seventy three. He wrote this book called A Reason to Live and A Reason to Die. And in that book he said, The pulse and rhythm of human life has quickened so suddenly that all those who want to keep up must run. you think things are fast now? This man wrote this in 1973. The pulse and rhythm of human life has quickened so suddenly That all those who want to keep up must run. We get caught up in our own race sometimes, don't we? Can you commit yourself to have something good to say? Some people I meet on an everyday basis, customers... Some of them I can't wait to get away from. That's the truth. Because they are so negative. They are so discouraging. I can't wait to get away from them. We all have people like that in our lives. If you meet somebody new for the first time, can you commit to be the most positive person in that union? Can you commit to say things positive? William Barclay said, One of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at a man's ideas. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasms. It's easy to discourage others. The world is filled with discouragers. But we have a Christian duty to encourage others. Many times, just that one little word of praise. You did a great job. I loved how you handled that. I'm all behind you. I'm all for you. I'll help you if I can. Or thanks. Thank you for helping me. First time I went on mission, I came home and somebody had cleaned my gutters. Or appreciation or cheer. Has kept a man or woman on their feet. Blessed is a man or woman. Who speaks such a word. I also tell stories. Because I never ever want to forget where I came from. Just a. Real small frame house in a coal mining camp. With no indoor plumbing. No city water. One light bulb hanging down from the ceiling. To where God's brought me today, that it's a hardship if I lose a remote. <laughs> I never want to forget where I came from. Philip Brooks said, Greatest, greatness is not so much a quantity as it is a quality. Every person in this room, every day, you have opportunities. God gives you opportunities. Don't hide your gifts here at Kingsway. If you have a gift here, use it. We are so blessed with musicians, with teachers. But don't assume that there's not a spot for you if you have a gift. Please. Use it. Most of you saw what I work with on a daily basis is up here. I've been doing this 30 some years too. 35 years going on 36 years. I've sold millions of brick and block. But I'm going to use them a little differently today. It's hard to be an encourager if you're carrying burdens with you. This brick weighs about four pounds. This is sort of like putting a gravel in your shoe. You know it's there, but sometimes it ain't worth it unless you boot and take it off and get it out. Maybe you've offended someone and you need to take care of it and get rid of that. Countless other reasons, but some of us are carrying burdens. And and some of you are carrying a 32-pound burden. (laughs) And it's a big one. It's hard to be an encourager when you're carrying this burden around with you. And then some of us, we get eat up with a lot of burden. Day's a day. Kingsway's a place. This altar is a place where you can get rid of that. God's let me live. Sixty-two years, February the eighteenth will be sixty-three years. And I've learned it. Sometimes I can look at people's face. And I can see that they're carrying a burden. And I can see that they're carrying a load. And I can tell that they need to get rid of it. You need to know Jesus to get rid of it. Do you know him today? What is it? Is it a work situation? Is it raising kids? Is it a health issue? Is it stress? Depression? Unforgiveness? I've put that one in there because I've dealt with that personally. Is it something so precious that you can't share with anybody but God? You can't tell your spouse. You can't tell your children. You can't tell your pastor. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. He's brought you to Kingsway today. So he can apply the bomb of Gilead to your wings. So he can rub it on your soul. So you can live here 4 pounds lighter, 32 pounds lighter, 64 pounds lighter, or 68 pounds lighter. I don't know your life. I don't know your heart. I don't know your soul. But God does. And He's ready. And He's willing. And He is able to fix anything that's going on in your life today. Will you pray?